So I love I love popcorn, but popcorn comes with a danger. It's the unpopped kernels that they get they'll ruin your teeth. Yeah. It's like eating a bowl of rocks, which I also love. Also comes with danger. But there is a solution. Yeah, this is for microwave popcorn. There's a way to separate very easily the unpopped danger kernels from the delicious popcorn. So we're going to try it now. We have a bag here of microwave popcorn. Ian's going to pop it in the microwave. All right. This is really uh, taking a boring amount of time. It's three minutes. Yeah, so we'll just uh, fast forward here. All right, so here we are. We have... Our uh, popped popcorn, it smells delicious. It feels dangerously hot. But if you look here at the top of the bag, there's a little vent, a hole, a slit where the air is released during the popping process. Yeah, the pain steam, which I'm now feeling. If we hold it upright and we shake it over a bowl, the unpopped kernels will pop out. The kernels pass through, but it's too small for the delicious popcorn. Wow, it's, I, I would say there's probably 30 old maids in there. Well, let's uh, let's test it. Let's dump out the bag of popcorn and see how many old maids remain. And we should be clear for people who aren't Ian and didn't grow up uh, in the backwoods of West Virginia that old maids are the unpopped kernels. Ah! There's one, one old maid tucked in a fold at the bottom of the bag. Just That's, one. That is pretty good. I mean, usually you see a good, I don't know, good few dozen old maids in there. Old maids being a word that people should know. It's funny that you look in this and you see the kind of gross, buttery, oily waste where these uh, kernels have been resting. And it's not, some, it, it's not appetizing. Yeah, we call butter waste the maid's pond where I'm from. I'm not surprised. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we have a special guest who will tell us how to solve a common marital problem. Maybe sounds a little more serious than it is. Yeah, it's not that problem. But first, we got an email from Mary. And now Mary is headed off to Navy boot camp next week. And she emailed us because she wants some advice. She's heard about something very scary called the confidence chamber. Okay, we get it. Online with us now is our Navy SEAL in residence, Mr. Chris Heben. So you're familiar with this? Oh, intimately. What is it? Well, the confidence chamber is a gas chamber, for lack of a better term. I think we should just call it what it is. Um, it's designed to build your confidence, not only in your equipment, but in the fact that you can don your equipment if you've been gassed already. What they do is they put, just picking a, a number of people, 15, 20, 30 uh, Navy boot camp trainees into this room, and they flood it with CS gas. It's, a, it's an irritant. It, it causes your skin to burn. It burns all your mucous membranes, you know, nasal passages, throat, oral pharynx, um, causes you to just heavily, heavily itch and pers- you know, perspire. And to get snotty, you get like a snot stream coming out of your nose that's sometimes you know, a couple feet long. Your eyes clamp shut. They're burning. They're on fire. So with that in mind, though, it is a very watered-down version of CS gas. It's not like the full Monty. It's, okay. You know, it's, pr- it's pretty tame. It's just enough to let you know that, hey, if I really got blasted with this stuff, it's going to suck. But my gear is here to prevent that and also you know, to mitigate that if it does happen. So tell us, uh, so you, you were in the confidence chamber. Tell us you know, the story, what that was like. Well, it's kind of crazy because you're, you're sitting there and you have your gas mask 
on your side. It comes in this, this little bag that's attached to your belt. And you have instructors in there. Of course, they're working you up. They're all screaming at you, and they're getting your stress level elevated. They're getting your heart rate up because they, they want your heart rate to be up because that makes that little amount of gas work even more effective. They're in there. They're screaming at you and, and, and just creating this scenario of stress, and then you hear it. They just... In comes the gas. And, of course, oh. they're wearing gas masks already. Yeah. So it's like, so you don't know, you don't know when it's going to happen until you hear that noise. And then you're just like, oh, and the first thing you want to do is reach for that mask. But they're yelling at you, do not touch the mask. Breathe. Breathe. They oh. want you to breathe. And, and here's, the, here's the drill. If you've got 15 guys in there and 13 of them are complying and they're breathing and they're, they're trying to, you know, to be compliant, if you've got those two dudes or two gals that are holding their breath, Everyone's going to suffer until those two get on board. So my advice to this gal would be is to don't resist. Just let it happen. The more people that comply immediately, actually, the quicker that evolution becomes. Now, is there like a, is there like a macho thing going on with, with you and, and the other, uh, I guess, recruits in there? Absolutely not, fellas. There is nothing macho about <laughs> CS gas hitting, hitting your airway or your skin. It sucks. <laughs> I mean, there's, your eyes immediately clamp shut. It attacks your eyeballs first and foremost because they're there. They're exposed. It's another mucous membrane. And literally, they just clamp shut like someone taped, someone uh, took a fishing hook connected to an anvil and <laughs> hooked it up to each of the you know, tops of your eyelids and just <laughs> let that anvil drop. There's no control. You, you literally cannot open your eyes. No. They're, they're clamped shut. As a matter of fact, when they parade you out of there, they have you um, listen to the sound of their voice. Because your eyes really, are yeah. really can't, <laughs> can't see. So when you're in that room, do you feel like, I'm feeling confident, I'm feeling confident? No, you're feeling scared. <laughs> <laughs> it sound, that sounds just horrible. Can, can you tell us, uh, was there another, another event in either in boot camp or your SEAL training, another thing you had to go through which was horrible? Well, I'll tell you, there's an evolution in SEAL training, and it's called drown proofing. Oh. And, and drown proofing is born out of an in incident that occurred during the Vietnam War where a SEAL was actually taken cap captive by the Viet Cong, and they had him handcuffed at, at the wrist, behind his back, and then they had his ankles tied up. He was on the deck of the ship, and the ship kind of crossed over the wake of another boat coming by, and this dude was vaulted off into the channel, you know, somewhere in the Mekong Delta area. Huh. So what this guy did to survive, because he's tied up in water, is he sank all the way down to the bottom, and pushed off, rocket himself to the surface, grabbed some air, did it again. And as soon as he, his head went under the water, he would sink, blah, 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 expelling all his air and just keep doing that over and over again. It was called bobbing. Wow. Then he realized, too, that he could float. If he put his body at a 90-degree angle so his back was close to the surface, he would get the air in his lungs up to the farthest point in his body where he, would, he could become buoyant. And just with a few slight kicks, he could turn his head and grab some air. So between bobbing and floating, and he also figured out he could kind of do like a modified Aquaman swim, like a dolphin kind of swim. Uh -huh. He was able to reach, to reach the shore. And, it, you know, it took him quite a while, and he was exhausted, but he did it. So he comes back to still base on the, uh, in the U.S., and he's like, hey, I've got a good idea. These guys need to go through this training. So they call it drown-proofing. They put you in this, what's called a combat training tank. It's a 15-foot deep pool from one end to the next. And your hands are tied behind your back, and your, your ankles are tied up. And literally, you jump in the water, and it's a 30-minute evolution. You have to bob for 10 minutes. 
You have to float for 10 minutes. You have to swim 300 meters. Then you come back and bob for 10 minutes and float for 10 minutes. And the exercise finishes when they throw you a dive mask. You have to go down to the bottom and pick it up in your teeth and come back up. And I, I see the things that go through your brain before you're about to jump in the water while you're tied up is just unbelievable. It's not natural. It's not a natural thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so me being me and kind of trying to, trying to plan as much as I can for something like that, I actually absconded one afternoon with, with the same strapping devices that they use to tie us up. So I took them home, and I, I slept with them. I had my roommate tie me up, and I slept with my wrists and, and ankles bound for about a week and a half. And then that evening, I went to this pool. So first, I kind of just tied up my feet, and then I just tied up my hands, and then I did them both. And, of course, we washed each other. So I tr- kind of tried to train my brain to expect it. Yeah, and I, I think it was it was successful because I actually made it through and, and didn't have too many issues. So we we talked to you. I guess it was in the fall, and you mm-hmm. were you were about to head out uh, for I guess to have a little SGO, and you you told us you could tell us about it uh, when you got back. Can you tell us what you were up to over the the winter? Yeah, I tell you, I went. I spent uh, quite a few weeks in Africa and uh, uh, in the country of Kenya working on an anti-poaching project. Oh. Uh, it was filmed by a major uh, television network that's in the U.S. as well as worldwide. I can't tell you the name of the network. The show is going to air this fall. Okay. Um, yeah, and I can't even give you the title of the show, but it's, it's, an, it's an anti-poaching show uh, for po- elephant poaching. I mean, we're up against poachers there with AK-47s. And we were able to, re- to recover quite a bit of ivory, also to snag some poachers, uh-huh. and uh, just mitigate elephant poaching in that region for a while. Well, Chris, uh, thanks so much. This has been great. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Let's, let's not wait uh, so long for the next time. Okay, Mary, you've uh, been listening to Chris. Uh, what do you think about the confidence chamber now? Uh, probably scared me a little bit more than I was before. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he's a... He's the toughest, he's certainly the toughest person that we know, so if it was hard yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a 5'2", 104-pound girl, so I don't know if I look very intimidating, you know. Well, maybe with a tiny frame, you take in less gas so it hurts less. Is that possible? I I wouldn't expect so, no. Yeah, I don't think so I, either. Less muscle to like block it all out. I guess. <laughs> well, couldn't you just maybe hide behind a bigger person when you guys are in the chamber? <laughs> yeah, maybe I can like try to nestle between two big guys and try to avoid all the gas. Well, let, let's uh, let's practice now. Maybe okay. So let's say you're in the chamber. Everybody's in there, scared. They're yelling at you. The gas starts coming out. Let's let's hear your biggest, deepest, most heroic breath. <laughs> That had a little bit of a shriek in it, too, which yeah. I think is probably appropriate given what's happening, but maybe like a, yeah, even deeper. Okay. <sighs> I don't really know how to take manlier breaths. Yeah. I me, wonder, <laughs> me neither. I wonder if you went in there and you were just like sucking in that gas like it was the greatest thing. If he was like, oh, yeah, come on, gas. What they would do if they would be like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to like this. Yeah, they'd probably kick me out of the Navy because they think like I was mentally unstable or something. Yeah. But think of the confidence you'd have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I hope it isn't too bad for you. And uh, I, I think I could speak for both of us. We're, we're very impressed of, for, with what you're about to go through. Thank you. All right. Well, 
Good luck, Mary. Thank you so much. Now, we ran into Kay Cannon. You may know her as the writer of Pitch Perfect and other funny things. Yeah, this was a couple weeks ago. She was with some friends, and she had a question for us. Okay, wh- what can we help you with? How do you, if your significant other, your partner, in bed, oh. this is not a sexual question, you like to have the television on, and he likes to <laughs> have the television off to get to sleep. Both of you need it the way, that way to, to be able to sleep comfortably. How do you compromise to... What's the solution? (laughs) It's killing us. (laughs) There's really only one person who can help with this. Mr. Wizard. Dr. Ruth, any ideas? Hi there. Hi, Mark and Ian. So, uh, first of all, uh, God forbid, don't make this um, a break and and a way to go towards a divorce. Okay. Okay. Here Here are my suggestions. All right. Number one, that's not the first time I hear of a story like that. Okay. If there is another room in the house, then I would suggest that the uh, one of them sleep in a separate room that has nothing to do with good sex. Okay. Who can have good sex and then go into the other room or the living room couch and go to sleep? Uh, in any case, it shows that the relationship is viable. Otherwise, that person, he or she, wouldn't have asked for advice. Well, that, that I think is, uh, maybe if you could give them a little advice for how to navigate that moment, because uh, I think that... So the, the moment to navigate is very simple. All right. It doesn't cost them any money. They have to say, whoever asked you, that uh, you got help from the expert, Dr. Ruth <laughs> that you called me and that I said... That's what they have to do. So when one of them complains about the lack of cuddling, you can say, sorry, it's a blame Dr. Ruth. No, the cuddling is a different story. Oh. You can cuddle before you fall asleep. Never mind blaming me. (laughs) (laughs) What what nonsense is that? Um, But cuddling can be done before, and when it's time to fall asleep, find a solution. When I used to go skiing, and my husband snored, my late husband, mm. I did take two rooms, because I said you can't ski if you didn't get a good night's sleep, and I took two rooms, and then we had wonderful skiing vacations. Okay? Yeah. That sounds great. You, you like that? Yeah. Okay, but put right away in, especially since you are NPR. Whoever cannot afford two rooms, find a solution within the possibilities that you have. All right. All right? This is great. Okay, thank you, NPR. Thanks, Dr. Ruth. Bye-bye. We heard from Emily, uh, and Emily says she listens to our podcast while calibrating laboratory equipment used for... Testing pharmaceutical inhalers. Good job, Emily. Sometimes I worry that everyone listening to the show is so, so much smarter than we are. I don't. Emily, these next 15 seconds are for you. 
I don't understand enough about what Emily does to even talk over this song. Calibrating laboratory equipment for testing pharmaceutical inhalers. Well, just imagine if you inhaled a pharmaceutical inhaler that was not properly calibrated. It, It will blow you clean across the room. This could be the last song I ever hear. We are still collecting your toilets of the week. Get your nominations to howto at npr.org. Ilongo wrote in and told us about a toilet at a Chevron gas station in Death Valley, California. Let's uh, let's call up that Chevron station. All right. Furnace Creek Chevron, this is Ray. Hey, Ray. I was wondering if I could talk to you about your bathroom. The bathroom? Uh, my name is Mike. I'm calling with my friend Ian. We're calling up because your bathroom was recommended to us as one of the best bathrooms in the world. Okay. Uh, hold on one moment. I'll actually put you on with the manager. Oh, okay. It's Wayne. May I help you? Hey, Wayne. My name is Mike. We got an email from uh, a listener of ours. We host a podcast. And he told us that your bathroom at the Chevron there was one of the best ever. Well, good for him. That's great. Is it a pretty good bathroom? It's clean, if that's what you mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I th- do think that is the, the big thing. Um, yeah, it actually is one of our... Cl- I clean it twice a day. Oh, wow. I use lots of bleach because bleach sanitizes <laughs> it, makes it great. Have you heard other people? I mean, this sounds like this is something you've been praised for before. Actually, it is. Uh, so a lot of the women that use our restroom here, they say that our restroom is one of the cleanest they've utilized, which is great news to us. Yeah, because I know like, when, you're, when you're on a road trip, you never know what you're going to get when you stop. And it's... <laughs> Especially from a gas station restroom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that, is that basically it, though, Wayne? Just, just bleach twice a day? Oh, no. I use multi-quat sanitizer first, and then we bleach the whole thing. So what we do is we actually clean our toilets. We don't just scrub over them and call it good. Uh, we literally get and clean them. The guys have gloves. We take care of everything that needs to be done here, cobwebs, wiping the floors, making sure that all of the toilet papers are all kept up nice. Uh, our toilet dispensers, all of our hand dispensers are new. We just try to keep everything nice and clean for our guests. See, that, 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 that's so great to hear. I feel like if I am on a road trip in, in that part of the country I am, and i got to go, I'm going to hold it until I get to your place. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I should say, congratulations. You have our Toilet of the Week. All right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Well, that does it for this week's show. What would you learn, Ian? Well, I learned my dream of becoming a Navy SEAL is now dead. I wonder if you could talk to the people in charge and be like, you know what, I'm feeling pretty confident already, you guys. I'm pretty sure of myself. I'm not cocky, but I don't think I need it. Yeah, well, I mean, when, it, when you think about confidence chamber, when you think about a chamber that you could enter and emerge more confident, I think maybe, you know when there's a really nice mirror, like there's a mirror that makes you look better than all other yep, mirrors? I do. Maybe they should just send the recruits through there. Yeah. Oh, I look great. Well, I'm I'm ready. Instead of yelling at you while you're in the chamber, if they were just complimenting you, like picking out positive aspects of your, your physicality, your personality, and then you would emerge, you'd feel like you'd feel so much better about yourself. Look at those cheekbones! What'd you do with your hair? My god, it is as if that uniform was designed specifically for your body. You got a great sense of humor, you're quick. I like the cut of your jib, sir. 
How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Nancy in Michigan. She made it through the How to Do Everything Confidence Chamber. Good job, Nancy. Don't worry. Your eyes will open up pretty soon. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Not everyone can pull off salmon. It's a good color on you. I thought you meant cooking it. Either way, as long as you feel better about yourself than when you walked in here.